0: 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com work. Shopify.com work. Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight, the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million parents and kids building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com
1: slash ACAST. That's greenlight.com slash ACAST. Ready to pop the question and take advantage of 30% off? July 23, 2020. The Typographer. Ice Cream Cones. Meg, 1000, and a Weird Marriage Proposal. This, is, Awesome, Today. Awesome Today, is a mostly daily show about stuff that might be awesome. Don't overcomplicate it. It's barely edited and sometimes offensive. Enjoy it, and have an awesome today. Would you?
2: Hi. Hello. How are you? Well, my allergies are acting up. But <laughs> other than that, good.
3: Do you think it's a sign of our age that quite often we visit <laughs> about our health maladies?
2: Yes, <laughs> it's true. It's a gradual thing. You don't know it's happening, but all of a sudden, you you discovered like you hear yourself, or I have, I've heard myself, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so old that when people ask how are you. The first thing that comes out of my mouth is whatever's wrong right. with well, my Well, my hemorrhoids
3: have been acting up. I want to see.
2: Oh man, we are we're getting up there in age. I guess
3: so. I guess so. Well, in any event, it is July twenty third.
2: Yeah, here we are.
3: And here we are, Thursday
0: mm-hmm.
3: for um, everyone. I guess I don't know who I was going to say this is for. It's for everyone that's listening, actually, mm-hmm. Kyle. Come on, man. Where where are you at?
2: It's just not Thursday for us, is the thing.
3: But that's not that doesn't have anything to do with it. I okay. was going to say, I want. To, I was I was trying to say ultimately that be prepared for no Friday episode, but uh, for a Saturday episode, indeed, because that's how we're we're doing now. We're no yes. ep, no episode Thursday, no episode Sunday.
2: Yes. Um.
3: And and I happen? got confused, huh?
2: No episodes Friday and Sunday.
3: You said Thursday. Okay. Well, yeah. Whatever Meg said, I don't know. Yeah. I'm trying to tell a story, but I'm not going to now. (laughs) Okay. You hurt my feelings. I
2: didn't mean to. I really just wanted to make sure that we were clear. Okay. We rarely are. (laughs) Now that's the truth. Okay. Um,
3: 1829. Mm -hmm. William Burt patented. I always find it interesting, that language so-and-so patented i mean technically he didn't he filed for a patent and it was granted to him somebody else actually is like here it has been
2: now it has been patented yes
3: but anyway william burke patented the typographer Mm. or typographer however you want to (laughs) pronounce it, which was in fact the first typewriter
2: all right and what year was this this was 1829 Okay. Mm-hmm. People've been typing up their letters for a while now. Yeah. It sounds like I'm
3: sure it had. Uh, I'm sure it was an offshoot of Gutenberg's printing press. They were like, "Well, I'd like to do that with my
2: fingers." And be prepared for ink. On and your
3: fingers. Ink. Yes. Yes. See, I come by all that honestly. Yes. I use a typewriter a lot, not a typewriter <laughs> per se, but a keyboard. Yeah. I only use the typewriter when I'm writing my mystery novels. <laughs>
2: I learned to type on a typewriter. Mm-hmm. Did you?
3: I learned on a computer, actually. Okay. Now, we had in our home a typewriter. Yes. Old school, mechanical, gets to the end, yep. ding, slap the, the deal. Yes. And I quite often would be wakened on a Saturday morning as a as a young kid, like, uh, gosh, anywhere from birth to maybe Third grade, yeah, by my mom just banging yep. it, and she could type on one of those. I think she typed right around 90 words a minute, wow. so it was pretty aggro.
2: Yes, I'm surprised the little what are they called?
3: The thing, the, the thing the slappers, hammers. yeah, the thing like slappers.
2: The, the thing slappers could keep yeah. up with that. That's
3: what he patented them as was thing slappers.
2: Good, that's the technical term,
3: yeah. So if somebody's like What are you doing? And you're typing. You could be like, I'm just sitting around thing slapping. And it would be actually correct.
2: It would be, yeah. Or not. Yeah.
3: Um, Okay, now 1852. Okay. When I first saw this, it really surprised me. All right. I read this thing and it said, first internet, 1852, first internet in U.S. National Cemetery at Presidio.
2: And, what right?
3: And I'm thinking, wow, the internet in 1852. <laughs> and I really had my history wrong. And by the way, why would they put internet in a cemetery? <laughs> yeah, really bothering me. And I looked again, and come to find out, I just can't read so well or see. It said interment, and, interment. Yeah, not internet. Interment. <laughs> they buried somebody there, which isn't nearly as cool. But
2: no, I thought
3: it was interesting anyway. Wait, and now I feel bad for them that they didn't have the internet.
2: <laughs> so the first one at, what, was it like a, a famous cemetery? I or? guess. Okay.
3: U.S. National Cemetery at Presidio.
2: Oh, okay.
3: I'm sure it is or they wouldn't have bothered to put it in there. Well,
2: we are uh, apparently cultural dummies when it comes to famous cemeteries. Well, and
3: interment versus internet. They are, in fact, very different words. Extremely different. All right. What you got for us? Well,
2: 1904 at the St. Louis World Fair. Those World Fairs used to be quite the
3: production. They still are. Well, the state fairs now. Keep in mind, I don't imagine people from all over the world were coming to St. Louis for this fair. Yeah, they just
2: called it the World Fair. Yeah. It was actually like the U.S. fair?
3: Um, I, I think it was just kind of a state fair, honestly.
2: Oh, okay. Well. At the St. I wasn't Fair.
3: there. Okay, I don't know. The okay, I don't
2: know. I'll take your word for it. At the St. Louis You'll World Fair. you take my word Fair.
3: for it that I wasn't there. <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> In 1904.
2: St. <laughs> Louis World Fair. The ice cream cone is created. There so, is
3: a lot of good food.
2: That's what I was going to say.
3: Tested at these facilities.
2: Fairs are. Uh, breeding grounds for experimental food that then sometimes becomes mainstream. Sometimes you can only get that thing at the fair, and that's what makes the fair so fun. That's true.
3: That's true. Um, Ice cream cones originally, were they fried?
2: (laughs) I don't think so. Are you sure? Oh, you mean like the actual cone? Yeah. I was thinking of like frying ice cream. (laughs)
3: Well, no, no, no. I mean, they do that now. Yeah. But isn't the cone... Or yeah, at Yeah, I, I think,
2: feel like it has to be. Look, I didn't look.
3: I would imagine it came from a waffle concept. And a waffle, yeah. theoretically, is fried because you have to grease the griddle and then you're right. clamping it in there. But to
2: make it crispy enough to hold your ice cream while you're eating it, it would have right. to be fried. you have to do something to crispify it. I
3: would think so, which ultimately feeds into... I guess what today I mean everything everything at the fair is fried
2: everything Things fried that,
3: butter fried yes. bacon fried everything.
2: Oreos fried Twinkies yeah um, you love ice cream. I do love ice cream,
3: but I have you, always hated ice cream. Cones. I was
2: just going to ask you, I've known you for a very long time. I cannot remember you ever voluntarily eating an ice cream
3: cone. I hate them. I can remember as a kid, we would go, I don't know, maybe once a month or something and go get ice cream. Yeah. And as soon as I figured out I could get it in a cup instead of a cone, my whole world changed it's for the better. Game
2: changer for you. Yeah. I don't really, I'm not a big ice cream fan. But there is one ice cream cone situation that I love, and it is a frozen yogurt, soft-serve frozen yogurt cone from Brahms. Okay. It is a very nice treat for me. I'll pass on the ice cream cone and most of the ice creams. There's a few I like. But those soft-serve frozen yogurt cones at Brahms, which Hmm. if you live in our part of the country, you you have access to those. Yes. It's real, real tasty. I like the twist. It's a twist blend of the vanilla oh, and the chocolate. Yeah.
3: Do you try to eat half at a time, mm. or? No. Okay, I'm not that disciplined. Well, I mean, I just, I just chomped it'd be a, it. Be a, it'd be like a palate cleansing surprise in every bite. Just, <laughs> if the twist were pure.
1: Ooh,
2: right. And I feel like Brahms' is pretty, pretty pure. It may be some places be. you get it gets real smudgy.
3: Yeah, yeah. I'm it's sure there's too. some. Some technique to that. Mm-hmm.
2: Huh. Let's think on that for a while.
3: Okay, okay. 1985. And I don't really care about this one, and I don't know that it's all that awesome. It's what it made me think of that I think is awesome. 1985, Commodore unveiled the personal computer, the Amiga 1000. I don't even. I don't know if I've ever seen an Amiga One thousand. I
2: have not. The very first personal computer we had in our family home was a Commodore. But mm-hmm. It was a Commodore sixty four. Right on. I feel like that's the more prevalent mm-hmm. Commodore model.
3: Well, maybe. I asked for the
2: question mark because I don't really know.
3: It, I don't. It's the only one I've ever heard of. Okay. I've never heard of the whatever Amiga One thousand.
2: Neither. Odd choice for a. It is computing
3: name. It is. I I mean, I like the one thousand add on. I think
2: you can add that on. Start calling
3: you Meg One (laughs) Thousand.
2: Please do. That is my. I'm going to change my name on Facebook to Meg One Thousand. Perfect. Let people just wonder about that, and also probably give an affirming nod.
3: Right. Right. (laughs) So how how uh, geeked out was your computer? What all did you have on your Commodore sixty four?
2: We had a, a floppy disk drive.
3: Oh yeah. The. Five and a half, oh, whatever. Yeah. yeah, the big and.
2: That's what Don't
3: team. touch the middle.
2: No, touch the middle. Yeah. Except you can imagine in my house of oh. four crazy monster kids, the middles got touched. I'm going to tell you that. Well, oh, I
3: promise you this. As soon as somebody told Brandon not to, he yeah. was trying to ram his head through it or something. Just. Exactly.
2: That is the main thing I remember. The games were on the floppy disks. So if you wanted to play Snake Bite oh, yeah. or. We had a game, my dad. Is a retired dentist, was a practicing dentist for many years. We had a game called Tooth Invaders. Of
3: course, you did. Did
2: you have you ever played this? No,
3: it sounds abysmal.
2: It was pretty was fun, so actually. Uh, it,
3: was it, it like
2: Space Invaders? It was... A tooth? I teeth, think, teeth, I think so. You had a, a screen with, like, I think there's like eight teeth mm-hmm. on there, and you would run around with either a toothbrush or a piece of floss, which was like a sword. It was like a sword okay. made yeah. out of floss. Not like Space Invaders. Okay. And you would run from tooth to tooth trying to clean and floss in between the teeth, but there were... I'm going to call them... Sugar germs that were chasing you the whole time, mm-hmm. and you. So the goal was to clean up that mouth before you get eaten by the sugar monster, and then you advance to the next level. And of course, each level okay. is progressively more.
3: Could any teeth get decayed?
2: Yeah, that was a thing too. Okay, if you didn't get to a tooth in time, it would start to rot, and dis- could
3: it could it rot completely?
2: Yeah, and eventually disappear, and then that's like I can't remember if that was game over, you lost points, or something. Okay, well,
3: I would I would hope just for the sake of good logic mm-hmm. that if a tooth rotted out that you lost period
2: mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> period no matter how many teeth you saved because it's like you know oh you know they saved one tooth what good is one tooth
2: i think you're right i think logic you can't
3: even play speaking. the guitar with one tooth
2: <laughs> can you play with more than one
3: I, I would assume most of the guitar players i've seen have all their teeth
2: <laughs> oh my gosh Anyway, that... we, but we had a
3: cassette deal. Did you have a oh,
2: cassette deal? Oh no, I don't think yeah. so. Tell me about so this.
3: It's it was some weird voodoo. It, it was it was like a tape deck, like a cassette tape deck. Yeah. But it, of course, it was their special model. Mm-hmm. Um, all kinds of crazy cords coming out of it to plug it in. And some games, hmm. instead of being stored on floppy, they'd stored data on the cassette tape. But in order for it to work. And it would have printed on the label, for whatever game you wanted to play, what the tape counter had to be on.
2: Are you serious? For to
3: get to the data that it needed. And the problem, recurringly, with that was, one, you'd wear the tape out in a hurry if you liked one game.
2: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um,
3: But the other was, the tape counter was not... Excellent, And quite often you'd forget to reset it. And then you got to rewind it all the way back, reset the thing, go forward. It was, it was not, obviously it's still not, it's not around now. So it obviously wasn't a great solution. And I think that may have been the only computer that ever dared go that path. They tried. They took a bold step.
2: They did. They it, took a swing. It was yeah. a miss, but they tried it. Um, that's amazing. If you are of a certain age and you're listening, if you're in Kyla and I's age range, first of all, did you have a Commodore 64? But secondly, and much more importantly, Commodore Am- Amiga mm-hmm. 1000. Have you ever heard of it? I need to know more about this. This sitch yes. on the on the Amiga 1000. And to please tell me if you change your name on Facebook to your first name and then 1000. Yes. Yes. <laughs>
3: Maybe all right. we should change the whole podcast and just call it 1,000. On Ooh. all alphabetical lists, it would probably be at the top. It
2: absolutely would be okay. 1,000. Forget awesome.
3: Right. Just the numbers. We're not spelling it. Like no, the no. Letters. Just, just
2: the, the numbers. numbers. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, important in the Potterverse.
3: There's so much Potter news this summer.
2: You know, there is. And this is a not even related to directly to one of the films or the books.
3: It's related to all of them.
2: The films. And that is that on this day in 1989, Daniel, Jacob Radcliffe is born. Mm-hmm. The actor we first knew as Harry Potter.
3: Where do, we, do we know him as anything he else? He
2: has gone on. He's, he took a real sharp left turn after the um, Harry Potter books, uh, sorry, films were completed. He did not want to be known as Harry Potter the rest of his life. He has done a lot of experimental film. He's done... A bunch of roles that were very against type for Harry Potter. Some pretty out there stuff. But he's been a working actor this whole time.
3: It sounds like you're talking around pornography. No. No. Okay.
2: No pornography. That I know of.
3: That would really ruin the whole Potter series, wouldn't it? It would. Hey kids, this is the only time you get to watch Daniel.
2: Other movies are not okay um yes you know i do love obviously the harry potter whole universe again thought you were gonna say pornography
3: and like, <laughs> that is not appropriate Why? that is not appropriate Why?
2: um i have not seen all of the films i'm just gonna be super honest yeah with you. well you've read the books i've read the books i like to live in the world of the books i watched the first two or three films Um, and, and here's the thing. I was late to Harry Potter. They started coming out when I was already in college. So Mm -hmm. I was past the age of waiting at the bookstore at the mall for the newest release. I was fully an adult. We lived in Chickasha. So I, I mean, this was, Oh, they came out
3: before that. They,
2: they came out way before that. I'm saying when I started reading the books. Okay. Um, and so I was already a, a full grown adult married with children Anyway, obviously the films had been out for a long time, so I did have that experience of when I started the books, I had those actors like Daniel Radcliffe and um, uh, the others who play the the major roles in mind, so I'm kind of jealous of people who began the series as it was released because they got to have their own sort of formulations of what those characters would look like in their own minds. Does that make sense?
3: Yes, yes.
2: So. When did the first Potter book come out? I want to say it's late 90s. Okay.
3: 97-ish,
2: maybe.
3: Well, my first exposure, and I've read none of the books. Mm -hmm. I've watched some of the movies with y'all. My first exposure was in, Mm -hmm. it would have been the fall of 2001. Okay. I was coaching. Mm -hmm. We had just climbed onto a plane to fly to wherever... Whoever we were playing, you know, it may have been the season opener. Yeah, we're flying up to Nebraska. Nebraska, mm-hmm. um, and it's it's a we chartered, mm-hmm. so it wasn't like a bunch of you know random. Not it was all our people that were on the plane. Mm-hmm. But likewise, then there were still assigned seats, I guess. So if there was a crash, they knew whose ashes to bury where. I don't know why, um, and I got stuck sitting next to. A guy who was a real dandy. He's He was one of the other coaches. He was in his... He was at least in his late 50s.
2: Okay. I was trying to place who you're talking about now. I know. Okay. You, you know
3: who I'm talking mm-hmm. about. And he's the kind of social person that the quieter you are, the more giddy he gets to speak.
2: Mm-hmm. And like he
3: can't just let there be silence.
2: Mm-hmm. And I, I can
3: be quiet for a week at a time.
2: Yeah. And not to mention the fact that anytime I've traveled with you, I've noticed that you can fall asleep on a plane like that. Like before, mm-hmm. before you hit the cruising altitude, you are peacefully asleep.
3: Yes. In fact, it's during the ascent that
2: you just lean back. I and let like,
3: all the blood drain out of my yes, head and just, yeah, you're out pass out.
2: Okay. But he was not going to let this he happen.
3: He was wearing me out mm-hmm. and he was reading one of the Harry Potter books. Mm-hmm. And he's he makes a big production out of fishing it out of his bag and then is turning to me and is, you know have, have you heard of this? Have you read this? And, no, 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 trash translate no. And uh, and he keeps on and, and and then he shifts into quite honestly what could be the worst British accent ever. Oh no and Don't
2: do that. Carries
3: on and all that. Oh no. The only saving grace. So this is pre, uh, pre-9-11, mm-hmm. um, and, and anytime we flew, literally our bus pulled up to, right next to the plane. You stepped off of the bus, you took 10 steps across the tarmac and started up the stairs into the plane. Mm-hmm. Same way getting off. Mm-hmm. Um, this trip, oddly though, uh, the bus had parked on the opposite side from where they'd put the stairs on the plane. So we... I'm follow. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm following him, and I'm I'm thoroughly fatigued with him by the time we get there. Uh, one might even say perturbed mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. perturbed, which is it? Perturbed. Okay, that one. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm walking behind him where we walk under the wings. We're all wearing suits because that's how you travel. Yeah. And I don't know if it's hydraulic oil or oh, no. jet fuel or whatever. Oh yeah. He's wearing a, a really. Uh, like a light olive suit, mm-hmm. and, and it hits his shoulder and just done, ruined. Oh, oh, and it looked horrible. There was no hiding it. It just looked like an announcement beacon to the world. Oh, Here I am. Oh, no. And I was like, Karma, I love you.
2: Play <laughs> <laughs> in that. <front> of- yes. <laughs>
0: oh, man.
2: Okay, that's good. That is fascinating that that was your introduction to it. My introduction was so directly after we graduated with our undergrads, you and I both started our graduate work Mm -hmm. at the university we had gone to our alma mater. Um, I didn't finish mine, but I'd started it in uh, media and library science. And so... I was, I very specifically remember sitting in a class on teen literature and the topic of Harry Potter came up. We, of course, were in small town, Oklahoma. And so there was like this controversy around Harry Potter because witchcraft. Because of the magic. (laughs) Because of the magic. That
1: feels
3: right. Small Protestant America. Yeah,
2: exactly. Disregarding the fact that there are throughout the course of literature, many, many literature texts that deal with magic and the supernatural and fantasy in some way, but it was all very controversial at the time schools were contemplating banning it. And so oh we were having a big discussion over the merit of keeping Harry Potter on the shelves. And that was the first time I was ever introduced to it. And then later when I read it, I was like, um, these aren't really controversial, right? right? <laughs> yeah. I can think of a lot of other texts that would be questionable. I don't believe in banning, but
3: indeed, like I could go down the list. There was, we had a blowout. I won't name the name of the book just because I don't want to get into Uh refreshing this whole controversy. But when I was in fifth grade, there was a book assigned to us as standard reading. And there was.
0: Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds at mid mobile. We like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.comslash weight loss.
3: Conversation of, of somewhat sexually explicit nature in the book.
2: In fifth grade.
3: Yeah, okay. And you know it, it uh, Probably wasn't appropriate for fifth graders, but they nearly burned the the parents nearly burned the town down. It was just <laughs> We your, don't even know whose house to burn. We're burning it all.
2: Your mom was at the front of the
3: you know mob she
2: with a torch. You know she was she is a torch. Well she set
3: her pitchfork down and she was had a lighter, was helping light everybody else's torch and rallying everyone, yes.
2: Oh, goodness. Okay. Well, I have a story and then a thing to talk about. Okay. So, earlier today, one of our twins, John Kyle, was very, very intent on telling me about how he is going to grow up and find a girl to marry. Okay. And the way he told me about it is
3: he... (laughs) Caveman-like?
2: Yes. He literally said... I'm going to find a girl and capture her.
3: Yes, good and, man. And say him well.
2: yes, and say <laughs> please, please, please. And he said it three times: please, please, please. Will you marry me? And then he was going to give her a gift. Well, and so we, I was trying to sort of straighten him out about how the whole process works. And I told him the story of how you and I first went on a date, mm-hmm. and we went and had coffee together with some friends. And he's probably
3: like, I don't like coffee. <laughs>
2: Yeah, he probably was thinking that <laughs> he was humoring me as I revisited, walked down memory lane with him and, and told him how then we went on a lot of dates and we got to know each other before you said, please, 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 marry me. We right? right. <laughs> but it was so darling and cute, but I don't know what got into him that he was really giving a lot of thought to this proposal, right? That's going to happen someday. But it's funny that he brought that up because a show that I recently started watching on Netflix that is definitely trending on Netflix right now is called Indian Matchmaking. Have you heard of this? Have you seen it on your Netflix splash screen at all?
3: I saw it in our recently watched.
2: So you knew I had... And I was been- like,
3: what? Because I have not watched that.
2: Okay. So this, and I'm not
3: speaking ill against it. Yeah, just it's just not,
2: it's not for you. It's
3: plainly not yeah. what would land high
2: on my list. Exactly. So Netflix, this is a Netflix original Indian matchmaking is they have entered into the realm of reality dating shows. They've, they've got um, a series called love is blind. Um, They have one called the circle. Uh, They have one called too hot to handle. So they're, Uh I know they're trying out some, uh, they're experimenting with some different formats, really trying to cover all their bases when it comes to entertainment. I think Netflix's goal, obviously the overlords at Netflix just want Netflix to be your one-stop shop for entertainment. I'm
3: glad that is their goal. That should be every every entertainment channel's yeah. goal is to be amazing. Yeah. This is this is how correct capitalism is supposed to work.
2: Well, they're doing it. Now, they're going to have to shed some of those like 1994 movies that they keep trying to shed Do in they? there and be like, don't you want to remember Do this? They? Don't you want to watch it? I think you keep them. As long as they're cheap, you keep them. So Indian Matchmaking is their most recent um, release in this genre of mm-hmm. reality dating TV. So it is executive produced by a woman named Shruti Mundar, who uh, in 2017 released an, a, a documentary that actually is Oscar nominated.
3: Is it subtitled or is it in English?
2: Parts of this show, Indian Matchmaking, mm-hmm. parts of it are uh, just a few parts are subtitled when okay. people are speaking Um, Hindu or Sanskrit or whatever the
3: Hindi, Hindi
2: something, whatever the language is, but it's just like flashes here and there, but it's mostly English with no subtitles.
3: We are, I mean, I'm fully aware we're like the only country in the world so selfish that we don't learn other people's languages. (laughs)
2: Absolutely. Yes. But
3: I was just curious. Uh, yeah, Yeah. there's, there's plenty of things I've, I don't I don't like to watch subtitled stuff.
2: It's hard when you're old and your eyes are bad. Can't
3: read. And that's not because well, of my vision only.
2: Also for me, subtitles are distracting in that. I just only look at the yeah. language on the screen and I yeah. forget to watch the action. Um, but I'll,
3: I'll listen to a bad dub.
2: You love a bad dub yeah. formed show. Yeah. They tried me crazy, but you're, you well, just eat it up. I grew up watching the Kung Fu movies. That's true. You did. So anyway, um, Struthi Mundar had an Oscar nominated film called a suitable girl that came out in 2017 that really follows the lives of three women who are going through the whole process of entering into an arranged marriage oh, Wow! in Indian culture. Um, and so she's the executive producer of this series. Did and, we watch that? Uh, maybe if I don't remember f- it, but you watch a lot of things oh, that I, I don't know. about. I would
3: never have watched that by myself, Okay, but I would have watched that if you wanted to.
2: Yeah. We may still try to find it.
3: Well, I, but the offer expired. I'm right, saying I wouldn't, I wouldn't have watched that with you in the past. <laughs> yes. If you want to watch it and it's available, I'll do that for you.
2: Okay. So Indian matchmaking follows a woman named, um, oh man, let me think about this for a second. Okay. Seema, Sima Tapari. Okay. Okay. And she's based out of Mumbai and she has been a matchmaker for decades
3: Like professional. A
2: professional matchmaker. I
3: didn't know there was such a thing.
2: Well, in cultures where there is a um, more familial component Mm -hmm. to people coming together and getting married, I think there are certain Jewish communities where matchmakers are still a thing. Um, Does that sound familiar to you? Yeah.
3: When you said Jewish...
2: Well, you think of the song from Fiddler on the Roof, matchmaker, matchmaker, make me a match. But there is, I mean, and I, I do think that even in modern day c- culture, mm-hmm. that there are other, there are people who serve this role. I right?
3: have Jewish heritage, you know. I, I know you do. That's why our marriage was arranged.
2: <laughs> yes. So. Unfortunately, in small town, Unfortunately, in Portland, it, it was
3: it was arranged. No, listen, yeah. it, it,
2: it was really hard to for them to find you a uh, Jewish. Yeah, we had, to, so we had to
3: branch out. You
2: had to find an Irish seem to be Catholic. Yes. Someday to be Catholic. Someday to be. Um, Okay. So Seema is the matchmaker at the heart of the show. Mm-hmm. And what she does, and again, she's based in Mumbai. What she does is just what you would think. She meets with people and listens to what they're looking for and has her whole system for how She matches people together.
3: Now, is she doing this for arranged marriages or for free choice? Okay,
2: you are asking a very good question that's really at the central point of dialogue and kind of contention about this. Because in the way the series plays out, it makes it seem almost exclusively like it is just free choice. Almost like she's like match dot com or you know, whatever, but she's a person and she's helping people to make these matches. However, there is sort of this feeling that some of these, some of these couples who are um, being matched together, it is more of an arranged marriage situation. Um, And so that's what, okay, let me come back to that. Let me circle back to that. It's the typical sort of reality dating situation in that you meet Key characters, and of course for TV, you meet really interesting characters, not the Mm -hmm. boring, you know, plain vanilla person, but the people that have something interesting. You don't meet plain vanilla, you meet vanilla ice. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So in the first episode, we meet um, a woman who is an attorney out of Houston and she is 34 and her parents or her mom, um, her parents are divorced, but her mom is really like, you're 34. Why are you not married?
3: Oh boy. Yeah.
2: And her sister is married. And so there's a lot of pressure on her to get married, but she is a very strong personality and has some pretty high expectations for what she's looking for in a man. And you see them, she you see her go on several dates and meet guys that are like charming and, you know, have a lot going for them. I can, you, you visibly see um, Seema, the matchmaker, you visibly see her agitation with this client as the series progresses, because again, these are guys who even, even I can't remember her name, um, the, the, the matchy in this situation. Um, But she'll even say they're perfect on paper, but then she finds some kind of little something that is annoying to her that's unacceptable to her. And so you see the matchmaker over time being like, okay.
3: Right. So they're basically (laughs) recreating HGTV house hunters, but with people.
2: It is that format a little bit. Okay. Um, I don't think it's quite as fake. You know, house hunters is of course, totally fake. Mm And then the people have already, you know, have a contract on the house and those types of things. So anyway, it really explores to me, I think a very fascinating question, especially for those of us who are Westerners is marriage about the individual or is marriage about families and community. Now, this was really fascinating to me because I also recently this year, during the time of quarantine, watched a Mindy Kaling uh, project that's on Netflix called Never Have I Ever, which is um, about Indian Americans and really focuses on the life of a teen girl Mm -hmm. who is Indian. Um, But they also grapple with this question of arranged marriage and how much the family and by and then not just the family, but pulling out the lens a little bit, how much community is involved in and predicated on marriages being put together um, by people out that are not just the individuals, mm-hmm. and how that builds such a strong foundation in culture and how it has traditionally in the past. But then what does that look like in the modern era? What does it look like for um, Indian people who are trying to stay true to their culture, but also living in the West, you know, America or Canada or parts of Europe? It really explores this central tension. Now, as Westerners, we tend to be pretty horrified at the idea of arranged marriage, right? Yeah. Yeah. I feel
3: like you have thoughts. Uh, Yeah, my mind's swirling because I'm wondering now, is the arranged marriage... I had always assumed that, that an arranged marriage would be made from the perspective of what seemed more or less politically or socially beneficial Mm -hmm. to the families, much rather than, hey, this is a person that's a good dynamic to hang out with us because we do spend a lot of time together. Right. Am I wrong?
2: I think that there is a lot of truth to that. I, I think that especially as practiced in India itself, and again, looking back over centuries of time at this practice, I think you're right, there was probably more of a sort of social political element, not mm-hmm. necessarily like civic political uh, uh, right. element. certainly is how things. it used to be. Yeah, yeah. definitely. But and that idea, of course, goes back. I mean, that's a global those, idea. Yeah, that's
3: what I mean. And how it yeah. used to be that with royal families marrying sure. and all of that. It was to, it was covenant to unite kingdoms yes. and things like that.
2: But I think on a much more micro level, even within a community, that there would be a sort of political, like the good families marry each other, those types of oh, things. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. Um and it does the the series Indian matchmaking does brush very lightly with the idea of caste and casteism, mm-hmm. which is in part of um, India's history. Um that's still part of every culture, no matter right. what we want to yeah. call it. Yeah. Um so okay, to go back to your to your question though, it is more of like Will these people mesh? Can they make a marriage work? Um, Looking at the family background, the education, the interests, and those types of things. And far less do they love each other. Is there romantic love involved here?
3: Is there chemistry here? It's interesting. It's like they're trying to find two people that can be friends rather than... Yes.
2: Friends who can build a family together, have children who can build this stable marriage um, over time. Now I'm sure that there are people, there obviously are plenty of people who are in arranged marriages um, within this culture or others who are like, you know what, it's fine. I didn't have to, you know, make a big decision or it all worked out in the end. Um, But I'm sure also that on the other side of that spectrum, there are people who were absolutely miserable. And sure, and there are abuses within that sure, as well. of course, of course. Um, so, it, yeah, it's just it, more than anything, I think it's such a fascinating look into um, Southeastern Asia culture and specifically into Indian culture. Now, you can imagine that with something so specific to a certain culture that there's a lot of cultural chatter about it, Mm -hmm. that there are many, um, Indian people who are on social media kind of saying like, this feels really stereotypical to me. This isn't a, a good representation of our culture. This exploits and, um, kind of, uh, almost fetishizes parts of our culture that we are trying to leave in the past. But I will tell you, speaking of the culture, there are some elements to the way the show is presented, the way that people are presented that in the, in their attachment to their culture that I found myself almost being jealous of, Sure. like there's really strong connections with family and with community, um, that, that people are really invested in, um, these decisions about being, um, who you marry and, and, those types of things, And then just that you would be an Indian person who is like, I am looking for somebody for whom Indian culture is also important, not just eating Indian food, but like really celebrating um, the religious aspects and the traditions and those types of things. It's something that I think for a lot of us who are sort of mixed mutt Americans, we just don't have um, in really specific ways. So I won't speak to a lot of the controversy or pushback around it because I'm not Indian and I'm just somebody who just watched this for the, you know, right. for the right. interesting engagement with entertainment that it is on Netflix. But if you if you type in Indian matchmaking on Netflix into the old Google machine, there's many think pieces and interesting. Interesting reactions out there that you can check out for yourself.
3: Have I ever told you... About when I called your dad to ask his permission to propose to you.
2: You told me that you did. I don't know that I've ever known the specifics of the conversation.
3: So I was, I was very nervous. Mm -hmm. Not that I expected a no, I don't believe, but it Mm -hmm. was just an awkward, it's an awkward thing. Yeah. And at this point, arguably outdated. Yes. And all of that. Yeah. But I did. And very memorably, he said, "Uh, well, you'll have to ask Megan. That's That stuck with me for a lot of years.
2: And then you did.
3: And then I did. Yes. And at the, I can remember at the time, it completely broke all the fear I had because I was like, what is this matchmaking thing made me think of it in an arranged marriage. Just because I'm like, what, what do you think? I'm just going to be like, no, your dad said you could, so you're doing it. <laughs> <laughs> this is a little weird. <laughs>
2: I don't know how I've never told you that before. That is awesome. Maybe
3: just because I was trying to block it out. I don't know.
2: Maybe so. Maybe so. That's fantastic. So anyway, that's Indian matchmaking on Netflix and thank you for letting me share that with you because I actually had, it had not come across our Netflix splash screen, maybe because I haven't watched any of the other Netflix dating shows, but, um, Corey, one of our longtime and very enthusiastic awesomes posted about it in the sort of awesome hangout group on Facebook. Like, is anybody else watching this? Anybody else obsessed with it? And so I was like, oh my gosh, I haven't heard of it, but it sounds totally up my alley. So
3: I We really should do a better job of internet searching all the things that are on Netflix that yes. just don't show up in the lists right. that they've tried to curate for us. Mm-hmm. I just, by the time I remember to do it is when I'm laying down and like, ah, I don't want to go back and right. get on the computer. But yeah, I have a feeling there's... There's quite a bit of content there we're not aware of. I
2: think that's right. Yeah. Okay. Well, should we round out with some Watch, Read, Listen, Lifestyle? Yeah. So watch that thing. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Um,
3: we've continued to watch In the Dark. Yep. And I'm amazed I remembered the name of it.
2: You did. I did. I did. It's It's getting pretty it's, intense.
3: It's interesting. They do a good job of really getting weird with mm-hmm. situations. Oh, yes. Definitely.
2: Um, You're reading something. Read. I just started this. It is, I even brought it for our dozen YouTube uh, viewers yes. to be able to see. This is from Kendra Adachi, a friend and colleague, a peer of mine. Uh, it's her first book. It's called The Lazy Genius Way. Kendra has a podcast and um, I think a blog too called The Lazy Genius. She's an Enneagram type one who is very efficiency minded. The subtitle of this book is Embrace What Matters, Ditch What Doesn't, and Get Stuff Done. Um, She's coming to Sort of Awesome in August. You're going to
3: say she's coming to our house to help throw things
2: away. (laughs) You wish. That would be a dream (laughs) come true. Kendra, you are welcome anytime.
3: We're going to go check into a hotel. Have at it.
2: (laughs) That's probably the only way this house is going to get really (laughs) deep, deep decluttered. But I just started it. It's really fantastic. Kendra is such a charming and enjoyable person, and it really comes through in her words. So I'm very much looking forward to her coming to Sorta of Awesome to talk about the uh, the book in August. So I'm reading it in advance of that. Just started it. So far, it's a big thumbs up for me. Thanks. Listen. Anything?
3: Um, I have not... I have not listened to anything... Well, mm-hmm. I've been very distracted. I'm when when my work projects come along, they're typically a three to six week at a time mm-hmm. of grinding it out and I, yeah I'm a good distance through the project, but it's at a point where i'm I'm thinking more than I'm listening yes. as I'm working on stuff, so I don't even know what all played up there today. Mm-hmm. I don't have anything to offer there.
2: I don't either. I have just been going through my regular podcast role, but nothing really notable standing out. So lifestyle. Lifestyle. I have one. I have a scent of the day that I was going to talk about yesterday, but okay. we sort of ran out of time because yeah, the baby. Uh, good good man Nico woke up. Okay. I know I keep talking about Nui Cobalt designs because I got the order in from them, but I'm telling you, I think I have found my favorite one of the batch. It's called Bamboozle and it was actually a free sample that she sent me. It's based on and inspired by baklava. I
3: was going to, is there a chocolate?
2: There's not chocolate, but let me tell you what the notes are. The um, top note, I don't know how you formulate this into a scent, but the top note is supposed to be um, flaky pastry layers. Okay. But then the middle notes are pistachio, almond, and I think chestnut. Hmm. And then the grounding note is honey.
3: Interesting, because I smell cocoa
2: interesting it does it does have a cocoa flair to it i keep trying to convince myself that i am not a gourmand which is to say food-based scent person but then all you the are, ones i love you are every single one of them are the food based ones,
3: and especially if there's some sweetness to it it yeah. seems like you gravitate there and that's to me that smells like cocoa and sweetness it which it, are not the same thing by any means no
2: but. yeah i i get it um, it's called Bamboozle. I think that this one is sweet enough. I might, as we go into the fall, I might layer it with some more smoky um, perfumes that I have. Uh-huh. To kind of A little give it
3: something with vetiver.
2: Probably, yeah.
3: Vetiver is an interesting scent.
2: Mm-hmm. And
3: it's so different from maker to maker. Yeah. Um, sometimes it's it's really good. Sometimes it smells like play bacon or something. It's that's weird, so true. play
2: bacon is a very good way to describe a bad vetiver. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's my lifestyle entry for the day. Do you have any? It's... No.
3: Again, I just. we have been at there working. Literally came out of the cave just in time to. I, I guess lifestyle. We're we're still absolutely abusing the smoker that we bought here a weekend or two ago.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, just
3: came downstairs, pulled some ribs off of that to finish up inside, and they then smells
2: so good. So yeah, I'm
3: kind of mouth watering.
2: Yeah, definitely. Is
3: there anything? I can't think of anything else. I think tomorrow may be the first chance I get to wear my new my new birthday shoes.
2: Oh, good. I'm
3: gonna leave the house.
2: For the first time, except for church. Yeah. No, you go grocery shopping a lot for but us.
3: But I've so. not been anywhere this week.
1: No, you haven't. Nowhere. So. Well, I is guess that everything? does it
3: for us. All right. Well, have an awesome today, would you? Yeah, please do. Bye-bye. Bye.
1: There is a subreddit called Unpopular Opinion. The idea is to post an unpopular opinion, and if people disagree with it, they give it an upvote. One of these was, Ice Cream Cones Suck. It achieved an 83% upvote, indicating that 83% of people like ice cream cones. This also indicates that Kyle is bizarre. Find Awesome Today and Sorta Awesome Media on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok and literally everywhere podcasts are found.
0: Thirty-six percent better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Get a one dollar per month trial period at Shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.
2: Hello, this is Danny Pellegrino, host
1: of the Everything Iconic Podcast, and I'm here to tell you all about Splash Refresher, because hydration is mandatory, but boring is not. Now I love my water, but if I don't spice it up, I'm not gonna finish what I took out of the fridge.